Hello. Hello. Salam and good evening to you, worthy friend. Please, please, come closer. Uh, too close, a little too close. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Disney Brit Radio Show with me, Adam, and joining me as always is Alan. Hello, Alan. Hi, Adam. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Is it nice and sunny out there? It's beautiful. I'm in the beautiful sunshine of Spain at this moment in time. So um, we actually pre-recorded the show because I'm away on holidays and um, we had a bit of an idea, didn't we? Or Well, Alan had a bit of an idea. Do you want to explain kind of what uh, today's show is going to be all about? Yeah, I'm full of ideas. They're just not so good sometimes. Um, because of um, there's a lot of closures going on at Disney's Hollywood Studios and we um, previously released episodes where it's focused on certain attractions or certain parts and we've had a lot of good feedback about that. Yeah. Um, I felt that because of all the attractions that closed in Hollywood Studios including we believe One Man's Dream yeah Man's Dream is it's on its verge that I was lucky enough a few years ago to have a guided tour of One Man's Dream with um, Jim Corcus and I recorded it in entirety, I can't even say it now. Um, with, I did it with stereo recording, two microphones, so yeah. it's, um, you could say it's binaural. Yeah. And I thought, well, here's the perfect opportunity. Adam's away. Rather than putting out a full proper Disney Brit show, we'll put out, out my guided tour of One One Stream. Now, we have played a little bit of this before, so if you have... Um you're a regular listener you will have probably heard the first section but we're going to play the whole thing in its entirety beginning to end for you to uh, enjoy it even includes the um theater show at the um, end of the yeah scene part and jim cook also has a, a summing up after it so yeah. um, so it's well worth listening to particularly um there if you enjoyed the disney bit bite size that we did when we talked about hollywood studios um i know there was quite a few people who said they really enjoyed the history of it and this is very much about the history of, of walt disney all those sort of things so it's another really interesting history sort of section to listen to it's going to be quite a lengthy one yeah I, I, re- I reckon that there's probably about i don't know an hour and a half worth of audio in total so um, it'll be an hour and a half walking tour of One Man's Dream with Jim Corbis. Okay, so enjoy, and we should be back at the end. Right, okay, well, we're on Mickey Avenue now, I think. Is that right? <laughs> or is it uh, Pixar uh, Studios? Uh, Alan, uh, for, for Christmas, your wife needs to get you a GPS. Either that yeah. or hang a little bell around your neck so <laughs> she can tell where you are. Oh. Uh, we're outside uh, Walt Disney's uh, One Man's Dream. Okay. This was only supposed to be here for one year for the 100 years of magic in 2000, 2001. And uh, again, financially, they found that it was expensive to remove it. Right, okay. Because it was so expensive to bring things out from California, you know, to have them packed up safely, especially Walt's office, uh, all of that, that, um, you know, it was just like, oh my gosh. And again, this is another attraction that, that, that's changed. Uh, mm-hmm. About a year or so ago, Imagineers went in and simplified it. Right. Originally, you were supposed to be following along a pathway of Walt's life, 
up along the top, you could see, um, uh, you know, what was happening in history, you know, okay. at that time in Walsall. Yep. All of that's gone now. It's all just been simplified. Some of the uh, uh, descriptions are gone now. Some of the uh, uh, things that were displayed are gone. Uh, but we're going to go in and we're going to take a look at it uh, in, a, in a different way. I, I thought you said we we're going up to Toy Story Mania. No, I can't take you on that. You always throw up. You always throw up on Toy Story Mania. What is it's that? It's the spinning vest. Okay. Now, as we come in, we notice there's a full-color picture. In fact, it's the only full-color picture in the lobby. There, there are some that are black and white. There are some that have a little sepia touch to it. This is yep. the only full-color picture. Why is that? Is it the only full-color picture that exists? No, no. Lots of full-color pictures of Walt, thank heavens. Um, I do not know. When, when did Walt Disney die? Do you know when Walt Disney died? Oh, I, do, I do, but I can't say it now. December, December 15th. 19. Pass. <laughs> oh, half the information's there. Okay. Basically, yes, he passed away in December. This picture was taken in September of that year. It is the last photo taken of Walt at the park. And um, so he, he's, he's uh, you know, he's in pain, but he's still smiling there. And uh, in three, three and a half months, he'll be gone. And you notice Mickey, notice anything unusual about Mickey? from a giant big bow. And the giant big bow was part of Mickey's costume at the time because, again, they had a big bow to try and make Mickey look smaller. Right. You know, because you're trying to do the proportion. He, he looks as though he's standing up, but he does look smaller. Yes. Right. And, and, and so a, a lot of that goes. And, and the Mickey who's in there is Paul Castle. Paul right. Castle was picked uh, specifically by Walt to play Mickey at, at, at certain special events, like at Dodger Stadium and... Uh, beat the big, huge drum and fantasy on parade. Take a look at Mickey's hand. It's five uh, fingers. Five fingers. See, and it's the glove. So costumes yep. change uh, over the, the years. At, at one time, Mickey just had regular black shoes. You know, not the big, puffy yellow. So this was the last um, official photograph. It was set up by um, uh, Charles Ridgway, a publicity guy, and taken by Rene Bardot. Rene Bardot is the one who took the picture of Walt walking through the castle. Oh, yes, yeah. Yes. Over there in the corner. I've never been in here before. <laughs> oh, oh, this breaks my heart. This breaks my heart. Oh. You're a big Disney fan. You have never been in to the one location on Walt Disney World property devoted to the life and legacy of Walt Disney. I am shocked. Shock and <laughs> I apologize. My wife's pulling me to the attractions. I'm not saying this is not attractions. Obviously, it didn't attract right, you at a, all. Right, there's a big hole getting dug here. Yeah, Quick, let's move on. Uh, well, over here, we see a little school desk, and you'll notice that they imply that that was Walt's school desk. No, it wasn't. Right. Uh, when, when this attraction uh, uh, opened, the actual desk was on display um, at the uh, Ronald Reagan Museum, and then it went back to Marceline, Missouri, and where it's on display now. Part of the year it's in their little hometown museum, and part of the year it's in the uh, lobby of uh, the school named after Walt. And again, it's under plexiglass. Okay. And yes, Walt had carved his uh, 
uh, initials in, into the desk. And I think Disney was hoping that they would get the desk, but they never did. <laughs> and so now they have this, and uh, they have, uh, uh, you know, a little sign which sort of implies it's the desk. Doesn't exactly say it, so you can't, you know, yeah. uh, um, you know, say, oh my gosh, Disney's lying. <laughs> but but again, uh, some wonderful things. Uh, this, of course, is uh, Walt, uh, dressed up for a little uh, act that uh, he used to do as a school kid. This is his best friend, Walt Pfeiffer, who ended up being a story man at the Disney studio. Right. And um, so they were inspired by silent comedians and all that, so they would do these little uh, uh, acts in, uh, in those days in movie theaters and all. They had little talent shows, things like that to, to happen. You know, there's wonderful stuff in here, and stuff that's it been is. taken out, and you didn't even see the original. Oh, that's, that, it, it, it's like, it is, it is interesting stuff. Yeah. But it's, it's sort of safe, I Yeah, well, I'd I, 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 I probably avoid a Winston Churchill museum or <laughs> all of that, too. Yeah, I wouldn't blame you. All right. Uh, this is the model. It's been restored, but this is the original model that Walt had built uh, for Main Street at Disneyland, so he could visualize, you know... Um, what uh, you know, it would look like. Uh, oh, and here's a question for you. And here's a question for uh, uh, your listeners. Okay. How many buildings are on Main Street at Disneyland and also here at Magic Kingdom? It's the exact same number of buildings. Not not in in the little town square, not in the hub. But how many buildings are on Main Street? You know this answer. And looking at this model, you can tell right now how many buildings on Main Street. Uh, right, okay, so you've got the Emporium, you've got uh, the Martin's Drug Company, uh, Tom's Health Food, one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, about, time's up by two because there's two sides in the street. About. Is, this, is this where the British lost India? Is this what you're telling me? <laughs> Take a look at it. One building, two building, and then on the other side, two, two buildings, buildings. Only four buildings. There are lots of different facades, but only four buildings and here's my hello, hi Catherine it's hi good to see you here's my hello how are you are, are you are you in Disney I said I bet he's in here yes well he's never been in here before <laughs> yeah, no. and, and and right now we're on a podcast and uh, we've got Catherine the much better half of Alan <laughs> uh, the much much better half of Alan and uh, 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 she's going to have to go back and, and hear all these things Alan's been saying about her and yeah. Power of Terror and all of this you know I'm, I'm sure I didn't say anything too bad about you. Uh, um, and and I'm Jim, little... by the way. Okay. And this is Imogen. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're just hiding and giggling on the side there, and you are? It's Elizabeth. Elizabeth, it's, it's nice to meet you, yes. And, and uh, my mom was, uh, my mom's passed away. She was Barbara. She was born in Cardiff, Wales. So I grew up using all sorts of expressions like loo and torch and getting beat up in American schools because <laughs> they say talk English, <laughs> you know. Hi, how are you? This is my old eldest Imogen. Are you having fun today? You, no. Well, I understand uh, you're going to be eating soon here too. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. or, or, or you can follow us if, if no. you want. Basically, what we're doing for the podcast is we're pointing out some things here in the in the museum that, you know, aren't on the de description and, and all of this so that uh, Alan can edit out my voice and he can say it so he sounds, you know, brilliant, brilliant for that to happen. So have you been enjoying yourselves down here? Yes, what, what have you been up to today? Yeah. We, we ride, 
Ooh, the great movie ride. The great movie ride. Little mermaid. You just head it down the side. Yeah. Animation, animation, animation. Mm-hmm. Drunk, 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 it was raining pretty heavily. Well, Alan says you caught a, a bit of that on Thursday when you came in. Spot on. Oh, look at that princess dancing! Oh my gosh! Yeah. Wow. Are you dancing? Nah. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Super. Right, we'll see you. Well, I'll see you in a few hours. Yeah, I'll see you in a bit. Well, actually, we'll be finished up here in, uh, what, 50 minutes? Right, Less. okay. For, for, uh, no, uh, between 40 to 50 minutes, but probably less than that. Right, okay, well, yeah. What time is it now, then? Yeah. It's two o'clock. We'll be finished by three. We'll be finished before three. Right, okay, well. I'll see you outside there. It was nice meeting you. Have, Bye. A, have a good Bye. trip out here. Bye. See you later. See you in a bit. Surprised I managed to track us down. Yes, well, I, it's I a big told park. You, they have a GPS on you, whatever, yeah. right? Okay, we'll, we'll go back to the uh, uh, to this. So, it, so that you can cut. Okay. Um, so this so, so yes, there's four buildings. Uh, there's different facades, and of course, this was amazing in 1955 and inspired today's malls because on a real main street there would be gaps between each building because again they'd be separate buildings. You'd need uh, area for trash, for horses, or pathway, or whatever. Yeah. Having them all put together uh, that way. And of course, at the time, the Disney animated film that was being worked on was Lady and the Tramp, which took place at the turn of the century. So uh, a lot of that same coloring you see on um, the Disney buildings. Right, now, okay. I grew up uh, going to Disneyland, going to Main Street. And um, when I came out here to Florida, I, I remember being on Main Street USA, which is a completely different ex experience. And uh, the Imagineer John Hinch was there, and he said, uh, 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 Jim, uh, you've been to Disneyland? I said, yeah. And he says, well, take a look down the street here. Um, how does it look similar? How does it look different? See, and that's where I get my uh, tendency to ask other people questions. <laughs> yep. People ask me questions, and I seem really dumb. Yep. I said, well, John, obviously it's a, it's a lot bigger. It, it, it's a more prosperous uh, town. He says, yes, but what about the colors? Because he was very fascinated with colors. And I said, well, well, the colors look you know, exactly the same as, as the ones that I remember at, at Disneyland. He says, they're exactly the same and completely different. And I thought, what the heck is all that about? Exactly right. the same and completely different. And he said, Jim, look up in the sky. And so when John Hench tells you to do something, you do it. So I look <laughs> up in the sky. And yeah, it's a clear blue sky. And he says, in LA, when you look
oh yeah, you see smog and it's sort of a reddish tint. Right. He said, in order to get the exact same color, we had to compensate for the fact that in California there's a red sky. Excellent. Isn't that amazing? Like that, the attention to DL there, there was, yes. obviously they didn't have to do that. Right. But they did put the extra effort in. Yes. And um, again, over here, originally this was an original animation desk, but it had to go back to the LA Museum. Right. So they uh, did up a, um, uh, what a facsimile. See, so if you had come when this first opened, the first couple of years it opened, you could have seen some real things instead of some recreations. And, and that's why it's important is uh, Disney is constantly changing. It's, it's a, a living, breathing thing that uh, uh, constantly uh, changes as, as it goes through there. But this is what uh, an animation desk would have looked like at the Hyperion uh, Are the, are the um, things in the glasses authentic wall yeah, things? Uh, or? Many of the things are, not all of them are. Many of them are. Over here in this glass case of the, the Mickey uh, toys, these are all authentic. Right above us, you see a rocker, a Mickey rocker. Uh, that actually belonged to Roy E. Disney when he was a kid. And so he donated that so that could be included here. But uh, yes, that's the Lionel train hand car that saved the uh, Lionel uh, train company from... Um, uh, bankruptcy. Those are the Charlotte Clark uh, stuffed dolls, the very first Mickey dolls. Oh, and by the way, uh, today at Disney, you cannot buy a Disney stuffed doll anywhere on Walt Disney World property. Really? Really. There is no Disney stuffed doll for sale on Disney property. As in, as in um, all them plushes are not... Oh, well, plush. There's plenty of plush, but there's no stuff. Because if something is stuffed, it's dead. Ah. But there are plenty of plush. See, it, it, it's... <laughs> yep. See, and if you had come here when this opened, you would have seen uh, the Waltz uh, uh, Oscar with the seven little Oscars for Snow White. That's now at the Disney Family Museum right. uh, in San Francisco. And this is Walt's actual desk. Uh, from Hyperion, the Hyperion Studio. It was brought to the Burbank Studio, and for a while it was Dave Smith's desk. Right. But it was it, it's so small he couldn't utilize it. And then uh, one of the other Disney archivists, Robert Tynan, uh, had it for a while. But yes, this is the desk that Walt uh, sat behind and uh, you know made decisions on uh, uh, many of those films that uh, he did. Over there is the uh, mouse guard a mouse Oscar, and that was created um, by Walt uh, to give to people who had retired but had contributed, you know, before the whole Disney Legends program started. Uh, that uh, uh, case is actually a traveling trunk that Walt used when he traveled. So and there are some very authentic things here. And that's um, used in the new uh, statue over it. Yes. California. There you go. And over here, uh, multi-plane camera, so you can see depth. And again, it's horizontal because if you set it up, the artwork would would ripple and bubble and all that, so it has to be flat. And going through there, you create a three-dimensional field and, uh, used in the, the old mill and then, of course, in Snow White and so many other films. Uh, Snow White especially running through the forest. So the, Walt was trying to really create um, 
a three-dimensional immersive experience. You know, things that things that people are still doing uh, to this day. Yeah. This is my particular favorite exhibit. In fact, it is the most favorite exhibit in this attraction. It's the most favorite uh, thing I think for me. Uh, anywhere on Walt Disney World uh, property. Before Walt um, developed Disneyland, yep. he had another project called Disneylandia. And what he was going to do, because um, uh, people wanted to come to the studio, see the studio, all of that, and the studio was pretty small and couldn't accommodate, and, and Walt realized that people couldn't afford to come out you know, and visit the studio. So he was going to create small exhibits interactive exhibits uh, that would be placed in a uh, train car and then for a, a dime or so uh, the, it would spring to life and you would see that and then you'd go on to the next and to the next. Uh, he even uh, uh, bought uh, two train cars to experiment with right. and um, the very first exhibit was going to be uh, Granny Kincaid's Cabin, which was based uh, on, on a movie uh, uh, that he had done called So Dear to My Heart in the late 40s, and it took place in a small town, and it was very reminiscent of Walt's childhood and all that. So he was going to build a recreation of Granny's Cabin, and um, you'd look through the windows, and you could see cows out in the distance, and there'd be a, a, a rocking chair uh, rocking back and forth, and um, as if Granny had just left. And uh, uh, Beulah Bondi, who played the part of Granny in the movie, he had her record uh, a, a narration track, and he exhibited Granny Kincaid's Cabin uh, at the Pan Pacific Auditorium for a special right. show. And it was so amazing that they literally, uh, every... Uh, five minutes they had to unplug the attraction and have it go completely dark in order to get people away so another group could come in and see because it was so popular <laughs> so uh, this was really the beginning of Disneyland now okay. why is this my favorite attraction this was all handmade by Walt Disney so when you see bent nails you see uh, uh, wood that is, that is uh, chipped off incorrectly, whatever. You see yep. the wiring that, that isn't done correct. When you see the miniatures, those are miniatures from Walt Disney's personal miniature collection. He collected miniatures. Right. All of this, the rugs, it looks, all bit. It looks like a mini sort of movie set, doesn't it? Yes, it, it, and again. Even down the lighting. Right. And so that would have been the living room, and you would have triggered an electric eye, so... Things would have moved, you would have heard sounds, you would have had, and all of this hand-built by Walt. Wow, that's amazing, that. Is, isn't that. Isn't that amazing? And um, so he had to figure out how are these things going to move, whatever. But again, you know Walt, it's not good enough. And he says, I don't just want that rocking chair moving back and forth. I, I really want the guests to see Granny Kincaid. Right. And, 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 but, you know, you, you, can, you can't find a little eight-inch tall actress, you know, to, <laughs> to, to get in there and all that. So what he did was he called in his uh, uh, good friend, Buddy Ebsen, 
And Buddy Epson was what was known as an eccentric dancer. And eccentric dancers like Ray Bolger, they aren't specifically tap or jazz. Their, their legs will go out at odd angles and their arms and all that. They're very popular in vaudeville and burlesque. Right. British music hall too, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of eccentric dancers for there. And he, he filmed uh, Buddy Epson up against the grid. And then he brought in a sculptor by the name of uh, Chris Adoro uh, to sculpt, you know, a little face and, and a little body. And um, Walt built the theater for this little uh, uh, dancing man. And he had been to New Orleans and he found a little uh, mechanical bird in a birdcage. Yep. And when you wound it up, it moved and all that, but there were no visible wires or strings. Literally, the wires had come up through the perch and then through the leg of the bird and all that. So he wanted that same thing uh, to be... And there it is, the little dancing man. Run by an old motion picture projector. And um, this, was, this was installed here in Imagineer yeah. Marty Scalar. And they said, well, Marty, does this still work? And Marty says, yes, it should. He says, but I'm not going to plug it in and have it break. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's there. And as you can then. see... The, the wires come up through the back, through the back of the curtain there, and then through the back of his back there, right. and then connect to the hands and the legs and, and the face, and they mimic Buddy Epson's dancing against the grid. And it's against the grid there so that they can see exactly how high he would go, where the pants would go, the whole thing. Walt built the theater himself, mm -hmm. but Imagineering built, built that. Looking at his dancing, it's, um, they could have picked an easier dancer to follow. They could have, but Walt again wants that. And you'll notice that the gears are very much like um, a music box. Yeah. And in fact, these are also very much like the original audio animatronics. Audio animatronics were done on discs that were, uh, I, like I remember cams. Bill Justice telling me, yeah, it was cut so as it went through, it, you know, it created that movement. So again, oh. this is something that, you know... Yeah. Disneyland doesn't have, you know, whatever. And then Walt started work on a third one, which was going to be a barbershop quartet. Right. And they started work on this, and they had gotten a little ways on this, and Walt came in and he said, forget it, boys, we're going to do it full size. Because he had done the figures, and he had decided that no matter how many dimes kids put in, it wouldn't cover the cost of maintenance and, and, and all of that for, for yeah. the attraction. And, and also, there was only a very small audience that could see that. And Walt wanted that to be like a huge theater experience. You've never been in here before. No, never been in here before. And, uh, of, of course, TV opened up, you know, uh, for Walt Disney. And we see Tinkerbell there. Uh, the animation for Tinkerbell done by Les Clark, one of the nine old men. Right. But the pixie dust done by John Hench. John Hench again. So, and we talked about Herb Ryman. Here's part of Herb Ryman's sketch of the castle. Now, over here, this is my second favorite place in the, in the attraction. I've missed so much, haven't I? You have. Gosh, you could have passed away and never known this. Walt had two offices. He had a formal office and an informal office. The formal office was for guests and all that. It's the one that we saw on TV, you know, that had the bookcase. Also yep. had a grand piano so the Sherman Brothers could come in and play music. 
that type of thing in a desk. And then right next to that, he had an informal office where, where the work got done. This is the informal office. Right. And you'll notice how low the table is. It's yeah. like King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Everybody is equal. Nobody's behind uh, one thing. Yeah. Notice there's an ashtray over there. Yeah. Uh, behind Walt's chair, you'll notice a little brown satchel. Yeah. That's where he would put scripts to take home. Right. To, to you know, read and, and make corrections, uh, all of that. Over there on the little counter, that's the bird from New Orleans. Right. That okay. used to inspire right. audio uh, animatronics. That's the company plane back there, the Mouse One. Uh, on the back counter, you see a little gold crown. Only three of those gold crowns were ever made. Right. They, they were made by Joyce Hall. Joyce is actually a guy. He is the person who created Hallmark cards. And the icon for Hallmark, a gold a crown. crown. And so he had one for himself, one for Walt, and I always forget who the third went to. <laughs> and along, uh, along the walls, uh, uh, you know, designed for uh, uh, Epcot, the Epcot property. Uh, there's a picture yeah. of um, Ed Wynn, the actor, and uh, a lot of people ask me, well, was he really fond of Ed Wynn? And Ed Wynn was in Disney films, but actually that was a sample by uh, Ub Iwerks' son was, was doing portrait photography. Right. So he had taken a portrait of Ed Wynn and gave it to Walt because he was trying to convince Walt that he should take Walt's portrait. Never, it never happened. This desk is exactly the way it was on the day that Walt Disney died. Right. When Walt died, his, his formal office, informal office, were locked up, except occasionally a janitor would come in and vacuum. Everything was there. The first thing, first duty that Dave Smith had for the archives when he came in in 1970 is he had to unlock Walt's offices, go in and measure everything measure and then record what was there. Right. And, and I said, well, what is the in biggest... Wonder, um, the doors will open into the Walt Disney Theater for the next showing of One Man's Dream. But we're this tribute the one features after rare film footage and tape recordings from the Walt Disney archives. Some are 50 to 70 years old, and while the quality may vary, we think you'll agree that they provide a unique and very personal look at a remarkable life. So, yeah. um, I said, uh, Dave, what, what's the most surprising thing you found, you know, in Walt's office? And he said, well, people were always telling me that Walt was always thinking ahead for the next thing. You know, he really wasn't nostalgic. Yeah. And he said, inside his desk, I said, I, I found an awful lot of, you know, family photos of his kids, things like that. Yeah. He said, but I found the script for uh, Steamboat Willie. Right. The script typed by Walt, and, and uh, in those days it was different than a storyboard. You had an eight and a half uh, sheet of paper. It was divided down the middle. On the left-hand side was the description of what was going to happen, and on the right-hand side would be one picture. To you know, so if it's like Clarabelle Cow gets hit by a, a, a an overhead light, there'd be a sketch of Clarabelle Cow and maybe the light overhead. Right. The description would say this is what's going to happen. So the staging thing, so the artwork by Ub Iwerks, the script by Walt Disney, Steamboat oh. Willie, and that's why the Disney Company still has that today. Excellent. And uh, here's the model of Sleeping Beauty Castle. Again, if you had come when this attraction opened, this would have been the original one. So this is a replica. But this is a replica because in 2005 they took this 
to Disneyland for Disneyland's 50th. Right. Um, over here is the model for the uh, uh, Jungle Cruise ride. This was done by Harper Goff. And Harper Goff um, based it on the African Queen, the movie with Humphrey Bogart. Yep. And one of the things that you never read about in any of the books, everybody just writes that and they go, oh yeah, the boats look exactly like the boats in the film, that, that's what it was. One of the reasons he used African Queen is if you see that movie, the animals are hiding in the underbrush, and so you only catch a, a small glimpse and you see a rustle of leaves or whatever. So that's why he was using that movie as well, too. Right. Because Walt's original thing was he was going to use real animals. And uh, then he was convinced that uh, it was a bad thing. Not, not because of the care of the animals, but because um, uh, animals are nocturnal. So guests wouldn't see him during the day, or they wouldn't get the same experience during the day. I dare say what they've learned since with Animal Kingdom. Well, with Animal the Kingdom, the knowledge wasn't there. One of the one of the reasons they got around that is they uh, before they opened the park, they trained the animals that the feeding areas are out in the area where the guests are, and they also uh, added shade areas like for uh, the big cats yep. and, and sprays and things like that. So you don't control the animals, you control the experience, right. just like you do with Disney guests. You know, for instance, at uh, Cinderella's castle, the front of the castle, it always just makes me laugh. I, when I do tours there, I point out and I say, okay, what is it that we are not seeing? And people are going, what do you mean not seeing? I don't know. I said, look, if you were a kid, you would want to hop up on that railing. We don't see kids doing that. Why not? Because on the railing, they have crenellation, which are those little root yep. roots, and they are smaller than a child's rear end. So if a child hopped up or a parent put them up there, <laughs> something would be poking in an unpopular place. And, like, yeah. and also, the railing is slanted back. So even if you got up there and tried to jiggle, you'd constantly be sliding back down. That way you don't need to have a sign that says, don't sit on the railing. You don't have a cast member out there yelling, going, you know, get off those railings, yeah. you know, all of that. People do seem to fall in line here rather than... Yes. Well, again, you're controlling the experience and people go. And here's the interior of uh, Peter Pan's flight. So you can see how small the space actually is, but by curving back and forth and using darkness, yep. your mind fills in the gaps so it seems to be larger than it actually is. Totally agree there. Yeah. I thought it was much bigger right there. Well, that, of course, is a little model, a little yeah. tiny model. <laughs> but proportionately. You can put one foot in proportionately. Uh, here's the Moonliner. The Moonliner was designed by John Hinch, again, and uh, based on the V-2 rocket uh, that uh, Werner von Braun. And uh, Werner von Braun, that's, a, that's an interesting story there. And, and of course, his uh, autobiography was called I Aim at the Stars, but uh, an American comedian in the 50s goes, well, his, his autobiography is, I aim at the stars, but the subtitle should be, but sometimes I hit London. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and how he got out of Germany and all that, but... Uh, I've heard some stories. Yes, but uh, that, that was actually the basis of the American uh, space program, and a lot of German scientists, uh, the basis of the uh, Russian uh, Yeah. And again, so this looks very much like a, a V2 rocket, uh, but for the attraction, 
Um, and again, you probably never went on flight to the moon and mission to I Mars. Did, I did mission to Mars. Okay. Um, how do you get on to the moon liner? And in the old days, on airplanes, they would actually bring out steps for you to get up. You know, so how do you do that? John Hinch had to come up with a new way, so he came up with a jetway, which was a, a, an extension hallway that came out from the building and connected with that. And it's right. something that we use in airports all the time now. Yeah. You know, and, and again, that's the thing. Is Disney has been innovative in a lot of different ways, and we just take it uh, take it for granted. And so these are authentic costumes, but they're constantly changing about yep. because uh, even with this dim lighting, even though they say don't take photos, um, light, heat, all of that uh, can uh, can damage, you know, uh, the fabric. And uh, there's Walt with the last uh, um, uh, video, last film that he made, which was about Epcot. Yep. And he's standing in front of the uh, map there. Now down below in that light green area, which is where Celebration is now, that was supposed to be an airport. All right, okay. And you were supposed to enter Walt Disney World from down there. And so there's an area down there of buildings called Main Gate, because that was going to be the main gate. Yep. And you would go through the industrial complex. You would go through Epcot, which is right there in the center of the park. Yep. And then finally at the top, that little tiny, tiny thing, that's the theme park and the resorts. Right. And it's up on the north part of the property is because Walt felt when people come out here, they're going to want to go to the theme park. Yep. But if we put it up at the top, they have to come all the way through Epcot to see it, and they have to go through Epcot to, to leave. Because Magic Kingdom is actually uh, built on the worst piece of property at the Magic Kingdom in terms of swamp land and, and area and, and all of that. But that was it. When Walt passed away, um, they tried to convince Roy Disney to build it. Yeah. By uh, 192, because the infrastructure was already there, the roadways, you know, all of that, and uh, Roy said, no, if we do that, we'll never build the rest of it, because we won't need to. Yeah. Yeah. And Epcot will always be a showcase to the world for the ingenuity and imagination of American free enterprise. And uh, here, of course, is um, audio animatronics. We're doing fine. Okay. Um, we're both wa looking at our watches here. <laughs> Just as you are at home. <laughs> when are these guys going to yeah. finish talking? Uh, this is audio animatronics. Audio animatronics, uh, of course, referred to the fact of an audio signal. Uh, anima was animation, the illusion of life. Tronic, of course, electronic. And the only reason these were possible was the release of classified uh, moon rocket uh, technology from NASA. Right. Because, you know, we, we take so many things for granted. When you see a rocket take off and you notice the different stages fall away, how do you figure that happens? It just, it just happens. for the next showing of One Man's Dream, our motion picture celebration of the life of Walt Disney. Yeah, see, I, 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 I had a, a roommate in college who believed that, well, when you cook turkey, the gravy just came, and, yeah. and the stuffing must already be in there because there's something already in the it's, turkey. It's all natural. Right. Well, when a moon rocket takes off, they actually send a sound uh, signal that releases clamps 
and so that's why the stage falls off. Right. Okay. So for audio animatronics, they use that same technology, and they first used it for the tiki birds. Because with a tiki bird, you don't have to worry about lip movements. You either open the beak or close it. Yep. So if you have it in that position, and then you send the sound pulse, and then you cut the sound pulse, the beak opens and closes and opens and closes. And from that, they go to the next development. In this case, Abraham Lincoln. Walt wanted to um, create an entire Hall of Presidents. He was working on it. Robert Moses, who was in charge of the 64 World's Fair, uh, saw a, a sample of this and arranged for the state of Illinois, which is the home of Lincoln, uh, to um, fund the research and development for Abraham Lincoln to appear at the World's Fair. He was so realistic, people thought he was actors, kids would throw things at him, right. hoping to break his concentration. <laughs> In fact, there was a nearby pavilion that was giving away ball bearings, and they were throwing ball bearings. Right. And so Walt had to talk to that pavilion and say, don't give away ball bearings <laughs> anymore for that to happen. And again, this is operated through uh, hydraulic fluid, okay. which can be very, very powerful. So. Uh, for instance, one time when he sat down, he broke his chair. Another time he got his hands stuck underneath a table and flew the table across the, the, the thing. Now, some audio animatronics now are operated by uh, air and water because it's more environmentally sound. Okay. But there are a lot that are still by uh, hydraulic fluid because you need that power. Sometimes right. air and water won't give enough power for... I've got to admit that um, when I heard audio animatronic, audio animatronic, I won't say it, yeah. I assumed it was to do with the audio that went alongside the animatronic. No, no, it, 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 that's it, what's it triggering that, it. That was triggering it. It doesn't happen anymore because now it's so sophisticated yep. and computer. And this, of course, uh, figment from uh, your imagination. Figment of your imagination. Uh, and again, it came up by Tony Baxter because he was sick at home and he was watching an episode of Magnum PI. And he was hiding a goat from Higgins. Right. And uh, Higgins comes out to find all of his flowers eating. And he, he yells at Magnum, Magnum, are, are you hiding a, that goat? And uh, uh, Magnum says, uh, uh, no, it's just a figment of your imagination. And he says, no, figment ate my roses. And so Tony Baxter realized, oh my gosh, that could be the name. Actually, figment was based on a character uh, Captain, uh, not Captain Marvel, uh, Professor Marvel and his dragon for a, uh, an area in Disneyland that was never built right. called uh, Discovery Land. Right. And so when they were pitching to Kodak, he ran and he grabbed the little dragon figure and brought it into him. But the dragon was green. Right. And Kodak says, we love this except for the color. Because green was the color of Fujifilm, which was their biggest competitor. So that's right. how Figment became purple. Excellent. And here, of course, Roy O. Disney, who, uh, you know, I don't think gets enough credit for for all the things that he did to make, you know, Walt Disney work. Yeah. I, um, I, was, I was reading into that the other day, and sort of it sort of touched us a bit, the fact that he sort of stayed on to finish the Magic Kingdom project. And, and, then, and then what happened is after Magic Kingdom opened, two months later, passed away from a massive... Uh, Massive stroke, yeah. brain aneurysm, and there is the new Fantasyland. That is a big model. Yes, and and that's about the typical size of a um, uh, an imaginary model, which is why most of them no longer exist. You storage of them. Yeah.
Uh, and, and again, you can also see, too, uh, the show buildings. You know, none of us really realize the show buildings. It's just the facades in the front that we see. Yep. And so we're caught up with uh, uh, the illusion, the, the, the magic uh, of all of that. So is, is the detail on these buildings, is it, like if you lift off the top of the tent, is the, would you see the things inside it, do you think? Or? Uh, yes. In, 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 I'm, I'm sure they have on this model, because they have on, on many of them. Because right. uh, I've actually seen Imagineers, like Godzilla, walking on the model, <laughs> pulling, pulling things up. So, the model in the ticketing, uh, the TTA, yep. uh, over at uh, Magic uh, uh, Kingdom, yep. um, and they have the little model of uh, Progress City. Uh, that is only one-eighth, one-tenth of what the actual model was. Walt insisted that every building be furnished and lit. There'd be people inside there, all of the cars moved, things right. like that. And again, they destroyed that model. They saved a part of it to, to bring out here to, uh, to, to Florida. But, right. You know? And uh, Tokyo Disneyland. All right. There sometime. Yeah, you know, I've, I've heard you know just magnificent, wonderful things about that, and and how they've manipulated you know the small space that they've had to create you know, and we can even see from this model here you know with all the twists and turns and nooks and crannies and a lot of detail pathways. Yes, the um, I think one of the things they've got there is like a, a double decker carousel. There you go. But yeah, I'm fascinated by the amount of detail that goes in these models because. Even down to, um, I remember seeing the Haunted Mansion, like the little faces on the characters inside it when you could have just put a, a stock item in there. There you go. But now everything seems to be custom made. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, and again, what happens too is a lot of these marbles get made and never used. That's the, that's the, the sad thing. Yeah, you know, uh, for that to happen, you know, one because one of Walt's um, plans at Disneyland was to have a big rock candy mountain, and it, Casey Jr. was going to go through it, and inside was going to be a boat ride that would actually take you to the land of Oz, right? Dorothy's birthday party. Yep. At that, and so um, they built the model, and Walt insisted on real candy, so they went to the, you know, the store, got candy, pasted it on, all that. And it just absolutely looks sickening, but you don't tell Walt no. Yeah. So they they set out the model. Walt was to come look at it the next morning. They left the window open, knowing that vermin would come in and birds and all that. And so when Walt came in and saw them picking away at, 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 <laughs> at that and it just stinking, said, yeah. no, okay, we'll go with something <laughs> else. And Harriet Burns said then they just took it out to the... Uh, uh, parking lot to let the animals <laughs> finish it know, off. Fin fin finish it off, you know. Uh -huh. And speaking of finishing off, in yep. uh, about two minutes we're going to go in and we're going to see a magnificent film, and you're going to see it for the very first time. I am. And they've even changed the film <laughs> since the first time it's done. But the film um, uh, is is composed. Actually, Walt tells his own life story. A lot of these are from interviews that Walt's done over the years for, for radio, for, for the book that his uh, uh, daughter Diane wrote about his life, um, uh, for the TV show, things like that. Uh, this can be a very moving presentation. Uh, in your case, I guess the only moving you're going to be doing is getting <laughs> up and leaving the theater afterwards, but 
for, so, for the rest of us, this is a moving presentation. I'm glad we were able to, to share a little bit of this uh, on the podcast, and uh, maybe after the film we'll do a little uh, uh, quick wrap-up. But for now, yeah. Yeah, definitely. We're, we're off to the movies. Went to the California Grill the other night. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Fantastic meal, it was delicious. <laughs> but <laughs> it was uh, two dining credits. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon to everyone. And welcome to a motion picture tribute to Walt Disney as a courtesy, please, no eating, drinking, smoking, flash photography, video lighting, and videotaping. Thank you, everybody. At this time, let's silence all cell phones and be booze. And now, the Walt Disney Company is proud to present our man's dream. They say that Hollywood is a town built on dreams, and one of its greatest dreamers was Walt Disney. Walt believed that any hype could be scaled if you knew the secret of making dreams come true. Well, he certainly knew that secret. He touched the hearts of millions of people around the world. The story of Walt's life is truly an amazing one, and no one can tell it better than Walt himself.
as a killer on any program. Now, if I could crack the teacher field, then I could do things. I had done a little story research on different fairy tales I might do, and so I was one of them. I thought it was a perfect story. I had the heavy... It's a magic worship
Saturday was always uh, Daddy's day with the two daughters. So we'd start out and try to go someplace and do you know, different things, and I would take them to the merry-go-round, and I took them different places, and as I'd sit there while they, uh, they rode the merry-go-round, did all these things, I felt that there should be something built, some kind of a, an amusement enterprise built where the, the parents and the children could uh, have fun together. So that's how Disneyland started. Takes a lot of money to make these dreams come true. And, uh, we had everything mortgaged, including my family. I started with many ideas, threw them away, started all over again. Eventually it evolved into what you see today is Disneyland. But it all started from a daddy with two daughters wondering where he could take them, where he could have a little fun with them too. Part means a lot to me is that Something that will never be finished. Something that I can keep developing and adding to. Not only can I add things, but even the trees will keep growing. The thing will get more beautiful every year. I knew that if I did anything like the park, I had to have some kind of a medium like television to let the people know about it.
So, um, what did you think about the one man's dream attraction, Alan? Totally opened my eyes. Not what I was expecting. What, I, what were you expecting? I think I was expecting a bit more like a, a standard museum mm -hmm. where you go around, you see the Roman statues there, and then there's a little bit of text or a lot of text. Mm -hmm. um, I did notice there wasn't a lot of writing about each exhibit. No. Enough, enough to keep your interest. Um, certainly a lot of stuff that was relevant to what I was interested in. And the only problem I do see is that it is too near Toy Story Mania, so people do sort of seem to rush past. Bypass it, yes. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to take you and your, your listeners on a, a, a quick uh, a trip through the... Uh, attraction because as, as you said there there isn't an awful lot of writing in there so there are things there that you might pass up like the granny kincaid cabin and not yep. not realize the the significance you know uh, of that and and why it's there and so i i'm sorry that um, more people don't take uh advantage of it but it, again people are are rushing around and even uh at the end there they just rush past the uh uh, movie to get out because oh I've got a fast pass I've got to get here I've got to get there and um, that that's kind of un unfortunate but in this society we're constantly rushing and not taking a, a chance to sit and enjoy ourselves yeah I, th I thought it was also good at the fact that it was um, said in Walt's words as well mm -hmm. quite clever I, I I think I think so uh, too and. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad you were able to, to record that, so it'll hopefully bring back some uh, uh, memories there on a yeah. rainy night, or maybe you'll be able to take little uh, uh, snippets of that and, and use it uh, on the podcast. Yeah. So uh, we're pretty much finished up for, for today. Are there any yeah. Disney questions that, that you have that you'd like to, to ask, or either um, about what we've seen here at Disney Hollywood Studios? And again, oh. we haven't even covered the entire yeah. the park. Well. I've, I've got that many questions, it's, it's a whole whole new set of podcasts, but um, the main question would be, what would be the best source for stories about uh, Walt Disney? Uh, Jim Corcus. Jim Corcus <laughs> would be the... Uh, in, in terms of a... Um, or Jim Corcus's book, that's even... That's, that's almost as good. Um, uh, if, if I were starting out and I wanted to know about Walt Disney, I always recommend uh, the Bob Thomas book, Walt Disney and American Original. Nice. Uh, because um, Bob Thomas actually knew Walt Disney and had interviewed him many times as an Associated Press uh, uh, reporter and, in fact, had done a small... Uh, there's a small children's book that you might want to try and track down called uh, Walt Disney Magician of the Movies by Bob Thomas, and that right. was written specifically uh, for young children, and uh, Bob felt that he was just going to have to patch that together from interviews that he had done with Walt in the past. Walt sat down for three to five brand new interviews just to talk about his childhood to, to, to help young kids. And so there's material in that book that doesn't appear anywhere else. But right. okay. uh, Walt Disney and American Original is, is a wonderful book because uh, Thomas had complete access to the Disney archives, the Disney company, and he had complete access to the Disney family, which Again, no other writer has ever had in history, and again, won't because so many other people have passed away and, and all of that. And Bob Thomas um, uh, said, I will write this book, but I'm, I don't want it to be a, a, a puff job, you know, a publicity piece. Right, okay. he, he said, uh, you know, I'm going to write what, what I write. And 
Bob Thomas. Bob, uh, Bob Thomas said, um, uh, "I'll write We're this." Closing the door, Michael. Of the. Uh... Okay. Um, Bob Thomas uh, said, uh, "I'll write the book, but I don't want it to be a puff piece. I don't want it to be, you know, a, a publicity uh, uh, handout. I'm going to write what what I what I write." Mm -hmm. And uh, they agreed uh, uh, to that. And in fact, he covers everything. He covers um, uh, uh, he covers uh, uh, um, Walt's nervous breakdown, all that. But the thing is, is he doesn't do it in a in a tabloid uh, way. What he does is um, it, it's it's a fact. He brings it up and then goes on. Walt yep. Walt was a human being. Uh, the Disney family only wanted um, uh, two things removed from the book. They they didn't have the authority to remove them, but they asked Bob, and Bob did, uh, they're now back in the book. So if, right. if, if you get the uh, uh, updated edition, they're in there. But the two things they wanted removed was they wanted to remove the reference that Sharon was adopted. Right. Because Lillian grew up during that time period where there was sort of a cloud over a, a, a adopting uh, people, and, okay. and uh, oftentimes adopted children were felt as less valued than a, than a real child, which was, which was not the case. Yep. And then the other thing she wanted removed was uh, the date of her birth. And nobody knew why that was until Lillian passed away. And we found out that she was two years older than Walt. So <laughs> she did not want to be perceived as robbing the cradle. Right. <laughs> but, but so I would recommend Walt Disney, an American original by... Uh, and in fact, the, uh, the UK edition, I have a copy of that as well. Because mm -hmm. the UK edition is larger. It doesn't have more right. text, but it has different photos and oh, different yeah, okay. photos that are cropped yeah. fr from the uh, uh, American uh, uh, edition. Um, Diane uh, uh, Disney Miller put together a uh, DVD, uh, Walt Disney, The Man Behind the Magic. and uh, uh, So that's quite good, but not quite what we would always like. Uh, okay. she, she went with a... Uh, uh, director that her friend had recommended, and the director had done uh, some music videos, and so he tried to get very artsy. Right, so, for okay. instance, when he's interviewing people, there's a, a shadow that cuts off part of their head. Right. And it's like, what is the purpose of that? I, yeah. I guess it's art, and I don't understand art. You know, I want to see the person's face, especially since this was the last time uh, some of those people got uh, interviewed. Um, uh, there's also a... Uh, um, a, a terrific book by uh, uh, Howard Green that has is loaded with uh, uh, quotes from people who worked with Walt. So they're little right. short quotes, and and they give uh, a wonderful perspective because everybody who met Walt met a different Walt. You know, because Walt uh, Walt would adjust to the the people that he's with. Um, you know, I I think it's a, a shame, but I think that the Disney Company is. Uh, uh, slowly removing Walt from uh, from the parks. It's no longer Disney's or Walt Disney's. Yeah. It's just Disney. That's um, a company. Yeah, and and you know, and, and again, maybe they're they're right. You know, uh, Walt uh, passed away in '66, and uh, that's several decades ago. We have entire generations that didn't grow up watching him on TV, didn't, or don't even know that he's a, a, a real person. But uh, I like to keep the stories alive, and and I hope that. Uh, your listeners who have who have listened to um, 
the, this podcast and, of course, uh, the earlier ones we did at Disney yeah. Hollywood Studios. Uh, we'll go out and, and share those stories with, with others because uh, stories have to be shared in order to, to stay alive. There's yeah. an oral tradition. Well, I know this, this sort of thing is uh, one of the things that our listeners love to listen to. So um, I want to thank you very much for sharing all your stories with us. About well, again, it, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure meeting you uh, <laughs> in, in person. Yeah, uh, it's, it's good, good, by text. Uh, yes, and, 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 and on the phone, yeah. you know, because you... You never know, and uh, I also got the chance to uh, to meet uh, your family, who are just absolutely lovely and way too good for you. But other than that, yeah. uh, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I, I, I'm sorry I couldn't meet uh, uh, some of the others involved with with the podcast, and yeah. also uh, some of the listeners. But maybe one of these days, uh, yeah, uh, that, that 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 will happen. So. Uh, Thank you so much for the opportunity to share some stories, and I hope you have a, a pleasant time at, at Disney. Yep, thank you very much for joining us, Jim, and we'll see you again soon. Well, there you go. That was the walking tour with Jim Caucus. We hope you enjoyed it and, and learned something new along the way. And if you are going out there anytime soon, then go and use it. Take it with you and, and tour it with Jim and Alan as they go around. Obviously, Catherine won't be there um, to interrupt, yeah. but, um, you know, you get the rest of it. So many memories. It was it was fantastic. Yeah, I can imagine it'd be really interesting to tour with Jim and, and hear the things he has to say. But uh, thank you once again for joining us. Sorry, it's a slightly different show. Obviously, we have holidays that we have to go on, and it's really hard. And you know, I've probably sunburnt myself and all those bits and pieces. But it's all good. I'm on the way I to Disneyland Paris. Bits and pieces. I'm on the way to Disneyland Paris. So uh, do keep an eye on our uh, Facebook page and our Twitter and all those bits and pieces because I will be periscoping from Disneyland Paris. But you can keep in touch with us. You can t- email us radio at disneybrit.com with any comments, questions, and suggestions. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Disney Brit and like I say I'll be periscoping from there in Disneyland Paris uh, over the next week or so Um, also um, don't forget you can uh, go to our Facebook page facebook.com forward slash Disney Brit podcast and to the Disney Brit running team which we've not mentioned this week facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Disney Brit running team to join our efforts uh, in fundraising and working towards the inaugural Disneyland Paris half marathon in September 2016 Um, you can of course also sign up to the mailing list which is uh, disneybrit.com forward slash dbrt and can go to disneybrit.com as well for anything to do with all back issues of the shows and some bits of news and all those sort of pieces um that's it i think we will be back next week with a disney brit bite size where i believe what are we talking about the next bite size um i'll tell you what we're not talking about what? disney disney interesting right well we'll be back uh, next week for the bite size but until then we'll see ya Everybody, <laughs> that was swell.